Hello, welcome to another episode of Analyzing Mormonism. This is episode 29, and I got together with Jen Kim from Our Truth Be Told, and the episode is about women using the priesthood in church history. I wish I could promise that I would post more frequently than once a month, but I know myself better than that, and it will just have to be a goal that I always have to have more than just one episode a month. So I hope you guys will be patient with us as we figure out our end of um, the podcast. In the meantime, Jen Camp and I still plan on getting together, and this next time we're going to talk about Heavenly Mother, and then we will be going through each of the wives of Joseph Smith individually and breaking that up into the next, oh, seven or so podcasts. So, so be on the lookout for those, and hopefully my partner and I can get together and release more content. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode where Jen and I talk about women using the priesthood. everyone. I am so excited. It's another um, truth claim with Analyzing Mormonism today with Julia. We are excited today to talk about women and the priesthood. And um, as always, Julia has put together this amazing slides for us and videos. So I'm going to go ahead and just bring her on and we'll get right to it. Hey, Julia. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm so good. 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 She's, I don't know. I just, I, every time Julia sends something to me, like the slides to me, it's um, like Christmas. I know I say this like every month, every month, but just going through them, I learned so much. It's like as someone gives me this little book and it's just endless new information that I thought that I knew everything about, but then I don't. So, um, but what do you want to say about this month, Julia, and researching and doing all the um, So these, like, so I, I, there, so I feel like there's still so much more to say than the slides that I've put together. And so like, there's the, a lot of the information I got was from Todd Compton's book in Sacred Loneliness. And he, the whole book is packed with not just polygamy, but like women using the priesthood. And so, like, I just, like, scrape the surface of what mm. women have done in the past with using their priesthood. And, like, so there's just, this is the very top of the rabbit hole. So don't think this is, like, everything. <laughs> there's yeah. just so much to, to know. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is we're, we're talking, like, women and the priesthood. When I was true-believing Mormon, those didn't even go together. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Those words didn't even go together. It was no that it's never been and that's never been part of the church you're mistaken you're wrong those just there's just like this little group of radical women that are down by the you know when we have conference that stand outside yes. and they don't know what they're talking about they just want to be you know have the same thing as the men i can hear my little like true believing mormon self like <laughs> saying yes. all the things Yes. And then, and then you find out some other things. You're just asking for something that they already had. Like, yeah, you just took away. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. it's interesting to, to dig back into it, see what actually happened and then how it was changed. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll bring this up. I'll let you start. Okay. Um, is there, is this the first slide? Or the oh, first one? nope. Oh, yeah. So Going back. Yeah, so just we're talking about women in the priesthood. Um, so the next one, maybe. 
Okay, so so we all, I'm pretty sure we're all pretty familiar with what the women can and cannot do in the church, but I just wanted to talk about that just to contrast what what women experienced in the early days of the church. So women are not to give blessings of any kind today. They're not to give blessings of healing. They're not to lay their hands on anyone. They're not to give mother's blessings or baby blessings, or they're not to do anything with a sacrament. They're not to do any baptisms. They're not to officiate. Um, they, they're only authorized in the temple during like the endowment and the initiatory. And just like, like, like even something as small as holding your baby while the men bless the baby, women aren't, aren't, aren't okay to do that in the church. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard a lot of stories of women. They just ask the Bishop, Hey, can I hold my baby? And he says, no, it's not, there's nowhere in the book in the Bishop's handbook that says they cannot, but the mm -hmm. bishops just don't like that. So they're like, maybe you can hold the microphone, which is the job of the 12 year old boy. Like, yeah, I don't even, I don't think I've ever even seen anyone hold a microphone. Yeah, I, I've never seen the mother involved at all. Like, and yeah, all my the days closest, the yeah, the closest that I've seen is them having the mother stand up after the blessing oh. and just like recognizing the mom. Oh, I've um, never even seen that done. Really? Okay. That's so, so sweet. I have seen that done. So at least that bishop was like trying to include the mother in right. some way in that blessing. But um, so one thing that I think is interesting. So I attend a church still and that what they do is they can have, they have little baby. It's like baby dedication. Um, they don't call it baby blessing, but they just invite the whole family up and they just sort of give a blessing kind of on everyone with the baby as the focus. Mm -hmm. It's like, like even just something like that, like just have the family go up. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. just, it's just weird. Yeah. I did a um, podcast with Laura Randall once and we talked about this <clears throat> because um, having like, uh, you know, something that includes the family and like a celebration of the baby, like all of that is good, I think. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, yeah. you know, brings families together, brings like friends and families, like extended families together. And I, I think it's like a beautiful thing to like gather together um, to, you know, be happy and celebrate the baby that it's arrived into the family. And I think all of that is good. It's, um, I wish there was a way, I wish the LDS church would somehow make this where that is what it is, um, mm -hmm. you know, to include even the children. Yeah. The like a celebration children. of the family rather than yeah, the priesthood. Yes. Yeah, yes. And then doing, yeah. 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 Agree. Okay. Okay, so this is something I like I, I just said, but so there are times where women can use the priesthood. They're allowed to use it in the temple during the initiatory ceremony and the endowment ceremony, um, but they're only to do it, they're only to officiate to other women. And then the same with the second anointing is a unique, I don't know if you've talked about that here yet, but it's mm -hmm. a it's like a step up from the endowment for only select members of the church. And it's like the second endowment, or I can't remember what the other names of it for, but the second anointing, the woman um, gets her gets to wash the feet of her husband and then bless and then give him a blessing. She lays her hands on his head and gives him a blessing. So like women still use the priesthood in the temple. Like, yeah. So um, I wonder if they have to give ordain, if they have to ordain the women in the second anointing before they can give their husband a blessing. I should look that up because I don't, I haven't heard that. And I've heard a couple of interviews, but that'd be really interesting because if that's true, if they don't ordain them, then where are they getting their? Then we all 
then we then all we have all, it. Yeah. Do we all just have it already? Like, because we went through the endowment or yeah. this is an extra step. Cause like the brethren in the church in the temple, they have, right. They have the priesthood given to them. Yeah. That's part of the, yeah. 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 So that's a, that's a really interesting hmm. question. Cause that would, I feel like tell a lot by where did she get yeah. that? Ability. So if anyone has had the second anointing and wants to tell us, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, would so, be wonderful. So another thing is that the women are told that they use the priesthood authority when act, whenever they do um, their callings, but it's not clear to me at least why, how priesthood authority differs from revelation. Like how do I use priesthood when I, when I serve my mission or when I was in a young woman, like how did, how is that the priesthood and how is that not mm. revelation? So I, yeah. I think that's kind of unclear. I think they're just trying yeah. to give us a bone like, oh, yeah. let's just call it. Yeah, let's just call it priesthood, even though it's just re re regular revelation. Yeah. Um, well, and the thing that it's just I mean, I don't know. I'll just point it out. But the initiatory is only given to the women because the women have to touch the other woman on her body. And it was uncomfortable for women to be touched by men in the temple um where they touch you in the initiatory and that is why they gave women the priesthood to be able to do that That's and so and then when the women are done doing that do they take the priesthood away as like every day as they walk out of the temple or do they keep it or that's like, super interesting question like like, and there's a, there's some historical precedence for that idea. I didn't think, I didn't think about it as in like, we're only giving women the priesthood because they have to be touched in certain areas. I, I didn't think about that part, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, do they, are they, you're only, if you enter this door, you can use priesthood, but once, as soon as you exit the door, you cannot use priesthood anymore. Like, how does that work? Like for the, yeah. for the temple workers, like that's kind of yeah. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's, because it, it's, that's the only reason because yeah i don't know yeah that's the thing is that because it's just full it's baloney that's why. <laughs> that's why that's why it only works that way well and then and then in the future truth claims the priesthood is very problematic in the church in general because yeah because joseph and oliver lied about that it's not actually <laughs> in church history they made it up and there's witnesses that say that they made it up so that's just problem one <laughs> like there is no priesthood in the, in the mormon church <laughs> So, oh shoot, we just ruined the whole podcast. Yeah, like we can turn it off now. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, Dang well. It. We'll keep going yeah. with history, just so y'all know. Oh, yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. But still, well, women, these women believe that the precedence exists, exists. So yeah. make it fair. Like, that's my thoughts. Like, anyway. Exactly. Not, yeah. yeah not for the reasons that we're seeing it was right. women. Okay. All we right. Saw <laughs> so a lot of these we've talked about before, um, this idea of presiding, um, Joseph Smith uh, proposed that the women elect a presiding officer to preside over them as part of the Relief Society. And um, he said, they're going to, let's just pick a president, just like they would be, we have a president of the church. So he, to me, it looks like he was very much setting it up, like the women would have their organization, just like the men did. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's set up. And when he does it, it's set up side by side like this would be yeah. the women's and this would be the men's and they would grow and have the same authority and set up as each yeah. other and so, can you, totally i just agree. like that if the church was like that today that that would just be so different than <laughs> yeah it so would be different. so different yeah. i agree i agree yeah 
And this is some of the same ideas that they were ordained, not just set apart. So Emma was ordained back in 1830 during DNC 25. And then later John Taylor laid his hands on her counselor's heads and he ordained them to this priesthood, to their offices or their callings. I think they're called offices. Mm-hmm. And then, so anyway, so they're ordained, not set apart. Cause right now in the church, you are set apart to fulfill a calling. You're set apart to serve a, mm-hmm. a sister missionary mission or whatever, but like you're not ordained. So, right. But so the church is trying to wash away the ordination of women. Right. Yeah. Right. But the women, the men, when they're ordained are given certain keys mm-hmm. that then they can use. That's what ordained yeah. means, right? They're actually given the key of their priesthood to mm-hmm. use for yeah. what they're ordained to be. Okay. Yeah. According to this, Emma and her counselors were ordained with all the same things as the priesthood side of the church. And then here's another reiteration of that is Susan Young Gates, who was the daughter of Brigham Young um, and his 22nd wife, um, also a women's rights advocate, and later emphasized that these women were not only set apart, but ordained. So this is the prophet's wife, right? Daughter. Oh, daughter. Yeah, sorry. This is the prophet's daughter who is saying that they were ordained, not set apart. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then again, Joseph Smith saying the society should move according to the ancient priesthood. He's saying that I am setting this up just the way that the men have it. So, yeah, like, yeah. (laughs) So he gave him the priesthood. He set it up according to the ancient priesthood. Yeah. And then this is another thing that I find interesting. And if, if I could say this to Nelson, President Nelson today, I would. So Joseph Smith specifically addressed the propriety of women giving blessings. He says, quote, if God gave his sanction by a healing, there could be no more sin in any female laying hands on the sick than in wetting the face with water. If sisters have faith to heal the sick, let all hold their tongues. So he's saying, hmm. like, if they have faith to do it, let them do it. And yeah. I agree. I think that women should have the full power to bless their kids, bless their homes, bless their neighbors. Like, and I feel like they have all of that within them already. Oh, I I agree. Yeah. It's just, they would get in trouble. (laughs) They didn't have the prophets. Okay. Yeah. And this is also coming from, like, I remember this where the men were getting upset that the women were, you know, going around and doing this and healing and, and Joseph was putting them in their place. And it's, it's funny now to read this because he would be saying that to the prophet now. Like he he would be putting him in oh, their yeah. place. Yeah. The apostles. Like, um, I don't know. I just don't know what to say about that. Yeah. And so the church again is like I think we just mentioned in the last one or the one before. So in the church's manuals, they're trying to remove the idea that the women were ordained with the priesthood and they're just they're just putting the words set apart in over and over again. And I think they try to kind of use trickery words. They say that they weren't ordained to an office. So they're not, there's no, you know, priest, a deacon, whatever. The women didn't have that. They just had, they just had the priesthood. And anyway, so the church is trying to skirt around the, that women ever had the priesthood at all. So yeah. Yeah. And this is one that you and, and me. And we'll see why. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Now we'll see why. Yeah. So the keys given to the women. Joseph Smith said, I turn the key over to you talking to the Relief Society. And then the men complained about it, like you had mentioned. And then they eventually kind of weed that part out. I turn the key in your behalf. And then he says again at the very bottom that they, they received it in connection with their husband. So they don't have the priesthood, their husbands have it. So that that's their connection 
anyway yeah so it went from i just I yeah just i just can't yeah yeah i just like if you see if you look more and more into the history it's just more and more making the women smaller and smaller like over For the years sure. instead of building them up and encouraging them to have you know relationships and um with god and christ and they're just pushing them further and further away and oh i just yeah this part just really bothers me it just really bothers me from joseph smith saying yes here's the keys you are set up exactly like the priesthood go do what you want you know ordain other priestesses mm-hmm. um you know go do heal whatever you want to do um it kind of gives them free reign and then tells all the men to stop worrying about them and just let yeah. it letting, let them be and what do they do with that they're they're amazing with what they did until Bram Young really um started to take everything away and then the church yeah. historians changing words and yeah. changing what really happened and it just making putting us into the place that they wanted us to be right so anyways this just varies well, me well that reminds me of like with a lot of apologists they try to they try to figure this out differently like oh that's not what joseph smith met joseph smith met when he said i turned the key to you that's not what he said like there's a lot of like this focus here has changed a lot but what they seem to ignore these apologists is the actual history like what about these women who <laughs> who were famous for giving their blessings or famous for for all these yeah. stories that we're just about to talk about like you're just gonna ignore all of that and say that this that's my favorite line you've ever said julia (laughs) (laughs) that's all great unless you look at history (laughs) yeah like that's fine but what about the rest of it like yeah 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 it doesn't make any sense anyway so that's what we're doing today is telling the stories that i i had never heard them and i grew up in the church like i served a mission i went to byu idaho like i had never heard any of these stories yeah i'm excited okay Okay, so this is just the, like I was saying, we're talking about the historical record of the women in the church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints using the priesthood. So one of the big things that the women engaged in were called blessing meetings. And these meetings were a common part of these Mormon women's lives. And there's a quote from a dialogue um, article. It says, in them, the saints combined the laying on of hands for health blessings, tongues, and prophecy. Eliza R. Snow's diary contains numerous references to these occasions. For example, on January 1st, 1847, she wrote of receiving a blessing through our beloved mother Chase and sister Clarissa by the gift of tongues, adding to des- to describe the scene would be beyond my power. So like Eliza R. Snow, her diary is full of these stories. And like, that's where we're getting a lot of the ones in history, like, or from even tonight for this podcast, they're, they're just everywhere. So another thing that I think is interesting, like going back, we were talking about, these aren't babies, but these are children. So like right now, women can't, they can't be even in the circle. They can't even hold their baby during a blessing. But here there's two instances of women blessing their their older sons with their husbands. So they're giving the blessing with their with the dad, which as I think would be a great way to have this structure. Can you imagine your parents right? giving you a blessing? Like yeah. how cool would that be? How cool yeah. would that be? Yeah. 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 Agreed. So on so I want to read these. So on February 3rd, 1854, Wilfred Woodruff and his wife blessed their son, who was a newly ordained priest, quote. His father and mother, Phoebe, laid hands upon him and blessed him and dedicated him to the Lord. Like, that's really cool. Like, just like 
like it would have been, probably would have been the same if he was an infant, but he's a priest here. And then on another occasion on September 8th of 1875, George Goddard recorded a similar incident about his 16-year-old son, Brigham. On his birthday, quote, his mother and myself put our hands upon his head and pronounced a parent's blessing upon him, unquote. Hmm. Like, parents' blessings existed. Like, that's just yeah. really cool to me. That is really cool to me. It's really cool to me to picture that. Yeah. Like a mother and a father blessing their son together, the priesthood. Like, yeah, and I feel like that would help everybody. Like the, like the men would be like, "Oh, my dad's not the one who's running this house. There, he's that feels more equal." Because mm -hmm. they say that we're, they say that we're different but equal in a church. But I can't find any. I don't see the equality at all. Right, right. But here, but this looks more equal to me as having both parents. Yeah, involved in a of blessing. course. And how? Yeah, and I could even picture that today in families today. Like, even if they, they had traditional roles in their family where the, you know, father would go to work and the mother would stay home um, and care for the children, even if it was that way, coming together in, in things of eternal nature um, and blessings for their children and family, I think is actually a really beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just, my heart hurts for what could have been. Yeah. Well, and it hurts too, like with what was and what was taken away. Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So this is a common one too, is the blessing the sick. Women bless the sick all the time. So on June 19th yeah. of 1849, Sister Washburn sent Louisa, Sister Twist, and myself, this is Zina Huntington's journal, to come and wash and anoint her daughter, Mary Ann. She was taken very sick on Sunday. Brigham Young, the prophet, sent his carriage to carry us down. The Lord blessed and admi the administration and she was better. So there's three sisters who get into the prophet's carriage and they go and they bless this, this, this daughter. And then she's healed. Like, I don't know, like... We don't ever hear stories like that right now. They're no, I never heard a story like that ever as a true believing Mormon. There's a painting out there. I think it's by Sweet. I think it's by Anthony Sweet, but he but he has pictured there's a painting of this of the three mm -hmm. women administering to a woman sick in bed. And oh, I've seen like, it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so I should have put it up here, but it's so beautiful and like mm -hmm. I wish that would be up on the church buildings, like in the church buildings. Yes. Well, then they would have to explain the whole priesthood thing, Julia. So oh, yeah. that would yeah. be Dang a problem. It. Can't let that. Can't let women know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is going to what you were saying earlier about touching the body parts and how the women, mm -hmm. this is another story. So, so washing and anointing the sick became a common practice among the church members, particularly women, like we said. And there, this is a quote from the, that dialogue journal. It was customary for a person administering a blessing to anoint the oil, to anoint with oil, the part of the body that needed healing. For example, if, if they had a sore shoulder or a sore leg. And then there's a quote from Sister Eliza Jane Merrick, who is an English convert. She reported her healing. She said, I anointed her chest with oil, with the oil that was consecrated, and also gave her some inwardly. So I'm guessing she consumed it. She continued very ill all evening. After breath, very short, and, and fever, very high. I again anointed her chest in the name of the Lord and asked his blessing. He was graciously pleased to hear me. And in the course of 24 hours, she was well as if nothing had been the matter. So like their blessing, I'd never heard that before. Like we always bless the top of the head, 
And then like yeah. have that just kind of reflect oh, on the body. Yeah. yeah. But like, so in the temple, I think that's interesting too, because they, they do touch the different parts of your body. And I've never thought that, mm. that outside of the temple. So like if you're tonsils. I'm wondering when like, that changed. Now I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious yeah. when that changed, because that would be another thing that would have had to have changed because they took the priesthood away from the women. Because oh. it, because That's it, they can't have the men going around and slathering the oil all over, you know, the woman's chest. Yeah, to heal that's it. really true. So, like outside the temple, like when yeah, when did, when did they... it start to have to be on the head? Because, like in my whole life, it was like, oh, we're the true church because in the Bible it says laying on of hands, right, mm -hmm. on the head. Mm -hmm. But that's not what the early saints did. They just anointed whatever was sick. So, like, mm -hmm. so they had to regulate. It sounds like the oil on the head to keep this. From being a problem it sounds to me like yeah it sounds like that to me but yeah that'd be really interesting to know oh i know i'm history. I have to write down <laughs> all my questions yeah yeah <laughs> that's super interesting see if i can find them yeah okay so this one is really interesting too so in the 1850s a woman named harriet cook who is also one of brigham's wives he had so many was convinced <laughs> that somebody was practicing witchcraft against her so she asked zina another one of brigham's wives and susie young gates's mother lucy to come to her in the lion house and wash and anoint her, rebuking the evil spirit, which was tormenting her. So Zina acted as priestess in Pioneer, Utah. So like women could cast mm -hmm. out evil spirits. Like I I just thought that was really cool. Like I've heard stories of men doing that as missionaries, but I've never, of course, I've never heard women doing that. So, and Zina yeah. was very well known, specifically Zina was very well known for having these Having these pa the power, power. Right? yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. priestess yeah. power, yeah, yeah. So dedicating homes is another thing that women can't do today, but they were able to do in the past. So Presendia Lathrop Huntington, who was also one of Joseph's wives, moved twenty-one times as Heber C. Kimball's wife. And after she moved into her twenty-first home, she asked the men around her to help her dedicate the home, and they were all busy and they kept refusing her. So she was like, she was like, I'm going to do it myself. Do it myself. So she, yeah, so she did it to the best of her ability, and with all the faith she could command, she also planted a garden where trees were luxuriant and fruitful and more prolific garden than there was in the whole city. city. So mm. she just did it. Like, like more power Wednesday to her. The like, story of Thecla. Do you know the story of Thecla? No, what's that? Okay, well, I'll, I'll have to tell it another day. <laughs> this story reminds me, she reminds me of Thecla, if anyone knows the story of Thecla um, in the Bible. Or, cool. Um, Paul and Thecla. Okay. Well, I'll tell it another day because it will take too long. Oh. But she did, she, basically, she did the same thing. She's like, you're not going to baptize me? Well, I'll go baptize myself. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, can you imagine, like, we don't have to wait around for a man to to do our priesthood things that we want done. We yeah. just do it ourselves. And then she, like, planted this beautiful garden. Like, yeah. I don't know. She's like, oh, I blessed this house. I'm going to make it what yeah. it is, what it yeah. should be. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah. Okay. So this is one I always thought was really interesting too. So this is a case of a woman giving a blessing to a man and she promises him exaltation. Oh, so on, yeah, I like this story. Yeah. So on March of 1849, Presendia, again, Lathrop Huntington gave a man named Joseph Hovey, who had once helped her during a time of depression. I think she was pregnant at the time. Um, he, she gives him a blessing, placing her hands on his head. She says, quote, Inasmuch as you've comforted me when I was weighed down in the days that are past and now, I say, I also say in the name of Jesus Christ that you shall be blessed. 
Yea, you shall have your exaltation, for I will see to it for your goodness towards me. Yea, I will tell Joseph Smith of your good works, and you shall come on Mount Zion with the 144,000. So like yeah. she's like as Joseph's plural wife, she's promising this man exaltation, which first of all, women giving a man a blessing. I had never heard that or even the women give blessings, but like, yeah. I don't know. That's she felt she must have felt that she had enough power in her to yeah. make that huge promise. Yeah. Yeah. And what a good man. Oh, yeah. He, for helping he her, yeah. 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 That's what it seems like. Yeah. But also the 144,000 wasn't. That might sound familiar to some people because some religions believe that. The I was going to ask about that. What is I think that? the early saints did believe that. I think Joseph did believe the 144,000 because you okay. see it throughout church history like this, little snippets. Um, I don't know when that went away. <laughs> like maybe they needed. What does it mean? I have. I don't think I've heard that. Well, I thought it was a belief in the. Is it the Jehovah's Witness where they only think that this select number will be um, oh, saved yeah. in heaven? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I. I think that's this uh, same idea. Um, and it's 144,000. Yeah. So not very many of us. I don't know. But so, especially with the 17 million members of the church. So like, <laughs> not all of you are going to make it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know when they that... allow 144,000 second anointings. I wonder if they're oh. past that number yet. Oh. Maybe they're keeping I, track. I don't know when that was location. weeded out. <laughs> I don't know when that was weeded out of the church's narrative. Like, that's I an interesting wonder. idea. Hmm. Yeah. There's another question. Question number three. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> also, how many second anointings have there been is one I'm curious about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So this one is administering to men. So on November 8th of 1882, Presendia presided over the washing and anointing of Bishop Bringhurst, an interesting but not unique case of a woman administering to a man. And that's from Todd Compton's book. So like he's pulling this one out. He, he, in each of the wives, he talks about each of the wives in the book and he talks about their, their, performing priesthood ordinances and like so that's throughout the book but i just pulled out one instance but that's just really interesting to me like she washed so she anointed his washing yeah anointing. yeah she did his hmm. so like yeah really i'm just wondering when they started telling women we didn't have priesthood like when was like the first like real real hard cut i, I don't know because like that too because as we'll talk about later in the 20s, and we've talked about this before, in the 20s, mm -hmm. the 1920s, they were like trying to separate themselves. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like, but they're so hard on it now. Like women don't have the priesthood. Women don't have the priesthood. Yeah. Well, like, oh, I mean, Oaks will say women, you have the priesthood. <laughs> you act in the priesthood when you, when you do your calling. But like, that's not the same thing. So he's, yeah, well, I'll <laughs> stop there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, I keep talking about Presendia, but she... And Zina, there's some, some of these women were just really, really well known and have really good stories. So Presendia Lathar Pennington, again, was well known for her spiritual and priestly gifts. She also received prophetic visions during her stay. Oh, excuse me. During her stay at winter, winter quarters. So Emmeline Wells, I think was one of the really study presidents. She once wrote, many things were shown to Presendia and almost, and almost as it were, the heavens open to view for her comfort and consolation in the time of her great sorrow and sacrifice. Um, these were sacred things. So like, it's again, it's sort of normal for people in the 1800s to have visions. Like mm -hmm. it happened all the time. It wasn't just Joseph who saw God in Christ or just Christ, but like, anyway, like I've never heard of women having visions like this. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so much distance yeah. from them. 
so this one's my favorite story of the priesthood, just because it's so funny to me from my science, like a scientific <laughs> mind, but also anyway. Agree, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So this is Zina Huntington. So one night, Zina Huntington was called to sit up all night with the body of a neighbor who had just passed away. So pondering power, faith, and possibility and the possibility of the dead being brought back to life now, as well as in the days of the apostles, she felt that she had the faith to call this neighbor back from the dead. When she laid her hands on him, the dead man obeyed and opened his eyes full wide and gazed into hers. This was too much for Zina. She rushed from the room. The corpse collapsed back into lifelessness, lifelessness. And she later explained to her children that the man was not meant to take his, take up his mortal life again, but God had allowed this, his momentary revival quote to show her that these signs do follow them that believe. So like, like, it's just a fun story because she has, she feels like I had the power to raise this man from the dead and she uses her priesthood and it works. But I just think it's funny that like, I don't know if it's part of rigor mortis or like, because <laughs> people open their eyes and that's why they put the coins on them to kind of weigh them down. Mm -hmm. I don't think yeah. it was, I don't think it was priesthood at all, but like, it's just funny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that is interesting. But, she tells it as a, as a story. Oh yeah. Like that she can. Yeah. 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 Okay, so speaking in tongues was another thing that sort of like goes hand in hand with women having the priesthood. They have these blessing meetings and they almost always speak in tongues during them. So, and this is called, another word for speaking in tongues is glossolalia. And there's a couple of examples. So Sister Wells says, Sister Smith blessed us in tongues and Zina interpreted. So Zina Huntington was a huge person who spoke in tongues or a huge speaker of tongues. And then in Patty Sessions Journal on February 28th of 1847, it reads, Brother and Sister Leonard, and Sister Buell were here last night and we spoke in tongues and had a good time. So like, like to me, I was like, I don't know what that looks like when people speak in tongues. Cause to me, I just know it from a missionary standpoint. Like when missionaries, like I had a brother who served in, in Arizona, Spanish speaking. And there was like, I was, there was um, language groups in my mission in Salt Lake where they would learn all these different languages. And so that to me is this, the gift of speaking in tongues is that you learn languages fast. Quickly, that's not, yeah. Yeah, quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's not what that means. It's a very different thing. And so we pulled out this clip from YouTube. It's just a tiny example of other religions still practice this today. Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't open your mouth, the Holy Spirit can't talk. All right, now I want everyone to raise your hands and we're going to pray in tongues. Hallelujah, let's do it. Oh, we love you, Jesus. So, Kohor Okay, so that's speaking in tongues. <laughs> so, like, were you? Did you have any feelings when you watched that? Um, I was concerned. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. 
I guess for myself, I don't think you need any of that. So and I'm more quiet when I want to connect within me. So to me, it feels opposite. I don't know. Yeah, like, like for me, like, I guess I have a hard time because it's, it's so unusual to me. Mm -hmm. And like, like I had this like, oh, that's weird. Like that's yeah. my first instinct. Mm -hmm. Sort of like the first time I went to the temple, I was like, this is really weird. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we chanting in a circle? <laughs> um, like, I guess there's some kind of relaxation that comes with like speaking out. Like, I think whenever yeah. we shout or, or just speak in general, there's some kind of relief that comes to us. But like, Anyway, um, not that we need to go into glossolalia, but like we're speaking in tongues, but this is what this is what the sisters were doing in the early days of the church. And this is what a lot of the members understood and, and did. It says this speaking in tongues in the scriptures. And then even in the Book of Mormon, there is there's an instance. I don't know if it's the only instance because I haven't read the Book of Mormon in a while, but there is one specific instance that where they speak in tongues. And so like but the, so that was a very common thing in the 1800s. But the church is now reinterpreting that. They're like, let's get away from chanting, or at least outside of the temple. Let's get away from this, and then let's interpret speaking in tongues like learning a different language for missionaries. So, like, so if you go to the next slide, there's that story in the Book of Mormon. This is this used to be my favorite story in the whole Book of Mormon because this missionary goes to a place where he's never been before, and like these really cool events happen. But the, these are the kind of events that um, that were common to Joseph Smith's day. These are not common now. So that mm -hmm. this is just another evidence to me for a future truth claims episode and evidence <laughs> that, that the Book of Mormon is a 19th century fabrication. But so there's a story in here where these people are, they're passing out and they're receiving these visions from God. And then one of the servants comes and touches the queen and she wakes from her slumber. And then she, she says, oh, blessed God, have mercy on this people. And when she said this, she clasped her hands, being filled with joy, speaking many words which were not understood. And this seems strange to us today, but it was not strange to the people in Joseph Smith's day because they were familiar with this idea of chanting and speaking in non se seemingly nonsensical words that mm -hmm. they perceived as the spirit. So anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Like it's not specifically the priesthood, but this was a very, it went hand in hand with the women and their blessing meetings and the priesthood of women. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was interesting to point out. So another thing is some of the sisters in the early church became well known for their abilities to give blessings, speak in tongues and to prophecy, like we've said before. And then, like I said, Tom Compton's book, I just, just love that book. Everyone needs to read it. If you're in or out of the church, read this book. And it's a great resource for not only the women, but for the women using priesthood. So, yeah. So Zina Huntington, and what I thought was really interesting is in her in her patriarchal blessing, it talks about her ability to use the priesthood. So she received the blessing from John Smith, which was Joseph Smith's uncle, in 1850. And this is one of Joseph Smith's um, polygamous wives. And in her blessing, it says, the priesthood in the fullness is and shall be conferred upon you. So <laughs> this is a man telling a woman that she has the priesthood. And the church, its just it just really surprises me. No, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> It, what's the right wrong word? word wrong word wrong word what's the right word it infuriates me yeah <laughs> the church is trying to remove women from having the priesthood from ever have having any having any involvement from the priesthood like it's in her blessing like i don't know <laughs> like it's just so hard it's yeah 
it's just so hard now to know how much was kept from us. It's just so hard. Yeah. Well, and it's still being kept from us. Yeah. But... Yeah. 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 So in speaking of, speaking of Presendia Lathrop Huntington, a man named Edward Tulich once stated, she was also endowed with a large inspired mind, the gifts of prophecy, speaking in tongues, and the power to heal and comfort the sick, being quite preeminent in her apostolic life. So he's calling her, she's saying her, Apostle. he's saying, oh yeah, she's saying that she has this type of life. And these, these are men speaking about the women. Like, so they were on board with women. They understood women had the priesthood. They, I don't know, like. Well, they had been reprimanded by their prophets. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so they're like, oh, well, okay. You know, then that's. Mm -hmm bad on us yeah like like how had the trajectory had joseph stayed i wonder if joseph had remained if he had still lived how it would have looked for women in the priesthood would they have had more offices would they've had offices at all would they have had would they continue to still have the power to to bless and prophesy and i don't know i guess as long as you were okay with him um, oh, practicing polygamy. Yeah, I guess. You know, as long as you were okay with that, then, you know, he would That's give true. you all the priesthood. And there are a lot of the, I'm glad you said that because there's other branches of the church, like the FLDS church, for example, they, the, the trade-off for women using the priesthood is often polygamy. Although there are some like the community of Christ, which is another branch off of the LDS church, they, they don't practice polygamy, but their women use the priesthood. Like they have women mm -hmm. apostles, like, yeah. Yeah, so they pass the sacrament, right? I think oh, yeah, the yeah. women pass the sacrament in the, that church. Well, then you go, you go in their temple. Their one of their temples is here in Missouri, and they have big portraits of women laying their hands on people's head and giving them blessings. Like, yeah, yeah. I just why is our church so? Why is the Mormon church so far behind and mm -hmm. everything? Patriarchy bullshit. <laughs> Being... I can edit that. I can edit that part out. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> okay, so this is not something that I thought was interesting. So, so this is talking about the weeding of, of the taking the priesthood away from women. So, in early 1901, President Lorenzo Snow released a statement in the Deseret News. He said, "Priest, teacher, or deacon may administer to the sick, and so may a member, male or female, but neither conceal the anointing and blessing." because the authority is vested in the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. So to me, it sounds like he's saying priest, teacher, and deacon can do all of this. They can seal, what is it called? Bless and seal. But but the women can't do that because, or any random member can't do that unless they are part of these priesthood. The Mel, Mel Yeah, part of the Melchizedek priesthood. So that's, so that was a very firm statement. Hmm. You cannot yeah. seal this blessing if you don't have the Melchizedek priesthood. But then the next slide is, and what does that mean? Oh, yeah. Like, they can administer the sick. They can yeah, anoint and bless, but they can't seal it. Yeah, like, because, like, the sealing, I don't know. I don't know why the church is set up that way either. Because, like, you give, so the practice of the church is, my understanding is that someone, someone anoints their head and gives a blessing. Mm -hmm. And then the person comes back and seals it. So the first person has a very rote, they say very scripted things. And then the mm -hmm. second person kind of elaborates on it and they like talk about your personal life or your relationship to God. Mm -hmm. And that's them sealing the anointing. And I guess the sealing or the blessing is invalid if that one has not been performed. So there like has to be two, which I don't know why it's set up that way. Cause I know in times of like, they, they tell you that if it's just, if there's just one man in the house 
and there's no one else around, then he can do both. But like, so it's, I don't know. I just don't know why it's set up that way. Like why? Mm. Anyway, so he's saying it's Question not valid. Six. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, I think is super interesting. This woman seems to kind of call out the prophet. Um, this is Louisa or Lula mm. Green Richards, and she was one of the editors of the Women's Exponent. That was this is dated um, April 9th of 1901, and she says the information given in this answer is if the information in this answer is absolutely correct, then myself and thousands of other members of the church have been misinstructed and are laboring under various under a very serious mistake, which certainly should be authoritatively corrected. Sister Eliza R. Snow Smith. Her correspondent sister, so Lorenzo Snow's sister, from the prophet Joseph Smith, her husband taught the sisters in her day that a very important part of the sacred ordinance of administering to the sick was the sealing and of the sealing, excuse me, of the sealing of the anointing and blessings and should never be omitted. So jo we already know that Joseph, and we follow the pattern she gave us continually. We do not seal in the authority of the priesthood, but in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So she's saying, we've been doing it wrong this whole time. So why are you telling us we were doing it wrong when the prophet said this is the right way to do it? That's what I'm hearing. Like she's, yeah. it sounds to me like she's saying, and, you're gaslighting us. Yeah, well, hmm. <laughs> they're really, <laughs> the HRC is really good at that. Um, yeah. yeah, there's, uh, and it's been working. Yeah, yeah. So clearly, like, if it's been working, and, you know, it's all, you know, like Joseph said, if, who's he to stop them if it's working, you know, yeah, if they're going and it's healing and they're everything's, then who am I to say that, you know, and who true. are you to say that? And now they're just going to say, oh, <laughs> sorry, that like, what, what? Yeah. Like, I just, <sighs> sometimes well, I really like say, that you pointed that out because like from these journals that we already read, these blessings work. They said she was healed as if nothing had happened. This man was, according to Zina, he had been raised, but she was fearful. Like their their blessings are working, whether they have, whether they are in the Melchizedek priesthood or not. Like, so what's wrong, Lorenzo Snow? Like, why can't they do that? Is it just because they're women? Yeah, <laughs> like, I think he had the issue. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So another thing is that he never made any statement to this sister at all. He just ignored it. Probably which I thought because was there is no, there's like, no explanation. Yeah. There's no explanation. You can't say that because then there's been years and years in history of it working. Yeah. Them. So, yeah. 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 So this is a story that I had just recently heard. And this came from um, the church historian, D. Michael Quinn, who um, he was excommunicated for sharing too much of actual church history. <laughs> the church did not want to be shared anyway. So he told, he tells the story of Joseph F. Smith, uh, who was pictured. And then he, who was the prophet in the, in, in 1918. So they start taking away the priesthood in the twenties, 1920s. So this is just right before that. So he and his second wife, his, um, public wife, her name is Julina. They would often give blessings together. So they would go together and they would switch off with whoever sealed and whoever, to the initial anointing or however that works. Like they would just give blessings together, which I thought was super cool. Like, and, and D Michael Quinn says, if it's good enough for the prophet's wife, it should be good enough for the entire church. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was before. Well, that. yeah. So what, what's wrong now? Like, yeah. So this one we've shared before in other podcasts, but throughout the 1920s, church leaders increasingly drew 
bold alliance between spiritual gifts and priesthood powers. And they said they made it clear that women did not have the right to priesthood power. And then they they took away the healings, anointing with oil, and they made that only exclusive only to the males who had the Melchizedek priesthood. So I don't, I'm, yeah, if like, I, I'm kind of like, well, you're, I like what you said that it's working. Like these women were blessing them. It was working. They were being healed. Like, yeah. Why? There's no reason to take it away from women. Yeah. I'm just sitting here feeling like I should write, write Kate Kelly an apology letter for, yeah. <laughs> for her. Um, when I was a true believing Mormon and like seeing her talking about like women and the priesthood and how we've always had it and we should still have it. And like, they're standing outside with all the women of the conference center wanting to go to the priesthood session and, you know, like all these things. And, and she was right. Mm -hmm. Like she was right. And all of us are sitting there being holier than thou and yeah. she's right. Like she had the history, she had the knowledge and um, so many other women who were there um, that I don't know their names right now, but um, it's so hard for me. <laughs> it's so hard for me to like the leaders of the church have to know. I just think they, oh, have, yeah. to, they have to know. For sure. And they know that those women standing outside like wanting a ticket to the priesthood session because they should be able to go to the priesthood session because they have the priesthood. Um, you know, as far as the history of the church, yeah, like they're right and they know they're right. And they're excommunicating them to so, keep them quiet. Like yeah. whoever is saying this. And all, what I understand from ordained women with Kay Kelly is all they were doing is said, is said, brethren, will you please pray and ask God, what his mm -hmm. will is like, is it okay? Just ask him the question. And then they got excommunicated for that. Like, just, can you just, can you just petition God? Like she, they weren't <laughs> even like, that was it. That was, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like a lot of people in the church ask that same question with everything that comes up that people usually say they put on their Mormon shelf, mm -hmm. you know, all those questions up there on your Mormon shelf. All of those ones, it seems like in deconstruction, you take them down and you're like, oh, that's why that didn't feel good inside. That's why you should have asked God about that, because I'm finding a different answer now. Yeah. And you didn't want to you didn't want to. I was going to say man up to it. <laughs> but That's kind of a funny <laughs> saying. Just hear it now. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Crazy. OK. Yeah. Okay, so this is just, I just want to hit this point really hard. It seems to me that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is trying to remove itself as far away as it can from the idea that women at any point in its history had any power of the priesthood at all. Like, I, I wonder what would happen if all the women knew these stories, not just the ones we're telling, but the ones that I haven't even told, of the women mm -hmm. blessing people, like prophesying. Like, if, if all the women knew, would they... Would they feel a sense of loss? Like, would would they ask for it more? Would they, I don't know, like. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It would have to be, I don't know. I'm just thinking what if, if someone came and even told me about the stories, you're so conditioned to 
like follow the prophet, that I think that I would still be like, if I was told that I'd be like, oh, well, it must've been, I don't know, taken away for some reason, or it must've been, you know, divided into different categories. You know, you're the, you do this. I don't know. I'm just trying to think what my true believing Mormon brain would try. It would try to figure out a way like apologists do. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Wait, that for some reason, when you were talking, it made me think of the movie. Have you seen the movie Legacy? With the pioneers, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a ago. scene, yeah, yeah. It's a really old church movie, but there's a scene in there where this woman's traveling. Her husband's gone to the Mormon battalion or something, mm-hmm. but she, her ox falls ill, and she's a woman. So I think they portrayed this incorrectly because I think she should have, she would have just given a blessing anyway. But she kneels down and she says a prayer to have this cow be healed, and the cow immediately gets up and they're able to cross the plains. But like that was really controversial in my family circle. They're like, no, women can't do that. But then like, yeah, why not? It's just a prayer. But like, mm. I don't know, even just that was really controversial. But like women actually giving women actually gave blessings to people. Yeah. Anyway, that just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in that day and time, they would have felt they had the power to do that. 100 percent. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah. So, and maybe, uh, maybe instead of reading this, maybe we could just watch the clip from him. Cause okay. there's, there's a talk that he gave in 2014 where this is just a very small portion of the talk, but I just don't like any of it. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> what? You don't like something from no. Elder Oaks? From Elder Oaks. All right. Let's see. All right. All keys of the priesthood are held by the Lord Jesus Christ, whose priesthood it is. He is the one who determines what keys are delegated to mortals and how those keys will be used. The First Presidency and the Council of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve, who preside over the Church, are empowered to make many decisions affecting Church policies and procedures, matters such as the location of Church buildings and the ages for missionary service. But even though these presiding authorities hold and exercise all of the keys delegated to men in this dispensation, they are not free to alter the divinely decreed pattern that only men will hold offices in the priesthood. Whoever exercises priesthood authority should forget about their rights and concentrate on their responsibilities. Latter-day Saints surely recognize that qualifying for exaltation is not a matter of asserting rights, but a matter of fulfilling responsibilities. The Lord has directed that only men will be ordained to offices in the priesthood. But, as various Church leaders have emphasized, men are not the priesthood. Elder M. Russell Ballard gave these teachings. Our Church doctrine places women equal to and yet different from men. God does not regard either gender as better or more important than the other. When men and women go to the temple, they are both endowed with the same power, which is priesthood power. I testify of the power and blessings of the priesthood of God. 
available for his sons and daughters alike. Yeah. Hmm. So, like hearing it again, it sounds like he's saying we can change a few things. We have, I mean, as leaders of the church and having all the keys, we can change that you can go on a mission at the age of 19 or 18, but we cannot change this huge thing that women don't have the priesthood. <laughs> like, um, and also, then if I, you can't, then if you can't change it, then it should be the way it was in the beginning. Oh yeah. Like, then why did you change it? Then why did yeah. you <laughs> like put it back? Yeah. Like, and then like, he's, Oh, what else did he say? There was something in there that really bothered me too. Oh, women separate, but equal. Place. So, oh, okay. Oh, well, that was what hit me. was like, he was like, oh, you're equal. You're separate, but equal. But like, what in where in the church are women equal? <laughs> what, where? Like, yeah, I don't see any, like, I probably would have agreed. I probably did agree because I was a missionary, but like at this point, but like, I, there's no evidence that women are equal at all, but Anyway, and then like no. that just feels kind of gaslighting. No. Like, I don't know. <laughs> what, what, were you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's not equal when um the women are teaching a investigator and you know they spend 18 months teaching someone at the very end of their mission, they finally agree to get baptized, and then they have to go get the elders. Yeah, like, that's not like, equal. It, that's not no. equal in the priesthood. That's like, and I felt that so much because like as a missionary, like I, like there was people that we were with for months. Like I helped 15 people get baptized from another person. Like I couldn't help. Mm -hmm. I couldn't participate in, in my converts baptisms. Like, like you work so hard. And like, I wonder sometimes if this is off topic, but I wonder if sometimes those elders counted those baptisms as theirs because oh, for sure they did. That really hurts me because like, these <laughs> well, are my, I don't know. I don't these know. are my I friends that, and my but... I hope some of them didn't. I hope some of them anyway, but like that hurts. Yeah. But All yeah, I like, know is that the things that the, like the girl missionaries do for the church, like for them not to be able to then baptize the person that they've formed or, this relationship with. And like, I, even my daughter on her mission, like one, one person that they baptized they in she was in Poland. They couldn't find a white dress. They couldn't find a place where she could be baptized. Um, all of these things were like hard and they were trying to get it all done and they were meeting with her and trying to rearrange schedules and all these things. And I we flew a dress from here over to Poland so that she could have a dress to get baptized in. Um like the my daughter and her companion found a swimming pool that they could rent for an hour like with their own i think it was their own money <laughs> i'm sure they went hungry for days i don't know what happened you know I, I probably could be making that last part up but they they found this place where she could um get baptized they put it all together everything a little thing for her after like the sweetest, the love that went into that for that person and then for them not to be able to baptize them hurts my heart knowing that, especially now knowing that the priesthood was given to the women of the church and then just taken away by someone 
whose ego was too big for themselves. It just is hard. It's just hard to hear all of this. It's just so hard because I don't want to say they deserved it, but they deserved to be able to baptize her. Well, and I feel that way about mothers too. Like you go through nine months of, of carrying this child and then hours and hours of labor and you can't be a part of, of the baby blessing. Like I just, yeah. Yeah. But Holy cow though, like going through all that effort for this specific, these specific people in Poland and they can't even baptize them. Yeah. And all the elders did was show up. Right. Like, you know, show up to baptize them. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's just so hard when you know, like at the time, you know, you're like, oh, well, it's because they have the priesthood and, you know, you guys don't. And that's not part of your plan. But then you find out it actually is. It actually is. Um, And, you know, Elder Oaks, if we're going to go back to the beginning, it always has been. And then you're still then you're taking it away from them when you know that that's a whole other level. That's a whole other level of deceit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's hard. This is this is, might be random too, but there's when I was years ago, mm-hmm. when my daughter was really young, I we she and I were outside gardening, and I I fell out of a tree when I was younger, or in my young adult years, and I hurt my back. Anyway, so sometimes it acts up, and um, anyway, it acted up, and so I couldn't get inside very well, so I had to crawl from all the way across the yard inside. But my daughter was really stressed because I'm like crying and like in a lot of pain, but she was really stressed. She's like 18 months maybe. Mm. And she put her hands on her head and she started like speaking gibberish. But like, I was like, this is my, sorry, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Like, this is my little girl giving me a blessing. And like, but in the church, women can't have that. Like she'll grow up saying like, oh, my mom's not as good as my dad because he has the Mm. priesthood. I don't know. There's just like, we're raising our children to feel that women are inferior. Like the church yeah. tells us that we're equal, but we're not. And the children see that. Like everyone sees that. Right. Like if, and if you're a child and you're sick, you're, you're not, you're calling for a priesthood blessing. You're, you're right. calling for men to come and administer to you when the women around you are just as capable of ministering to you. Yeah. And it, it is, it, it plays into it. It plays into mm-hmm. the patriarchy. It plays into women less than men, like feeling that they're less than, or they, they can't do the same things with the spiritual power that they have within them. So I just, I don't know. Well, and then a lot of these stories, like people wonder, like I've shared some on my TikTok and they're like, well, how did this work? Cause I don't believe in priesthood. Why were they healed? But like, if you think about it, these women are taking care of them. Like they're coming to these women's houses. Mm-hmm. They're taking care of them. They're anointing them they're giving them good medicine like they're so naturally people they tend to heal they tend to get better um not all the times but um but like if they anyway so these women now if us now we take care of our children we take care of their physical needs but the men give a blessing and then they get the credit if the kid gets better Mm -hmm. like i don't know i just that's just kind of rough too like yeah 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 Yeah. and and like you know, um, statistically, um, I wish I had a slide for this, but statistically, like populations that have more priesthood power that, 
you know, everyone in that population should be then healed, right? Should There should be more oh. healing going on, more people not, you know, having cancer, like all these things. There should be a very healthier population where there's a bigger, you know, group of priesthood holders, but it's, that's just not true. Right. It's just like, not. They should be stationed out at the hospitals and helping yeah, people, but that's exactly. not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so um, I wanted to talk about um, D. Michael Quinn's point of view for a second. So he he believes that every woman has the priesthood independent of office. So like you don't have to be part of the deacon teacher priest. You don't have to be under Melchizedek. You just have the priesthood. And he says that they he believes that women were given the priesthood during the endowment ceremony. So if you've been endowed, he thinks period 100% you have the priesthood. And then he says that if the prophet should give his approval, the women could easily be authorized to use that priesthood. And he thinks that every woman has a right to use that priesthood. This is the Mormon historian. Mm -hmm. So like he's done, he's read all these historical things. Like he says, women should have every right and ability to, to bless people. But like, he knows that they would get in trouble if they did it because Nelson hasn't given us the okay. So I just thought that was really interesting because like the idea that we have priesthood in the endowment ceremony is it doesn't even cross my mind or cross the words in the ceremony, but like where else would they have gone? Yeah. But Oaks pointed out, like they said, you know, they, with the priesthood power, I don't know if they uh, yeah. say ordained. Yeah, like that's true. Ordained. I don't know. That's, that's a hard one, but I don't know. Well, I guess in like the second anointing, like we're in the in the endowment ceremony right now, we're ordained to become queens and priestesses, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like with the second anointing, you're ordained right now. So like, again, mm -hmm. if women who are given the second anointing, do they have the priesthood outside of the temple? Like, are they and ordained? If they're ordained, can they, can't they technically ordain someone else if they wanted to oh, without asking? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. the Relief Society? I don't know. That's, Yeah. Yeah. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. Oh, 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 go back. Okay. Here we go. Oh, that's fine. You can switch it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so one of the questions he asked in one of his interviews with, oh, what is it called? I don't remember. I'll say it later. So one of the questions D. Michael Quinn asks is, is the church's stance, uh, the women are not to act upon their priesthood. Is it policy or is it doctrine? And he was like, that's a really good question. He never answers it, which is kind of frustrating. But like, to me, it sounds policy. like it's a policy. <laughs> so because Joseph Smith in the very beginning, the he says that if the women can do it and they have faith to do it, don't stop them. Like, let them do it. Yeah. I don't know. But, maybe that's all the maybe that's all the rights that they all of us need. It's the one from Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to if anyone says that you don't have the right to do it then you say i'm sorry joseph smith oh yeah to me. Like, just pull the joseph smith card yeah just say you said i could said that i could and so if you want to go against the prophet the first prophet that brought this whole thing down to earth for yeah. us well and then you know. oaks oaks is like we don't have the right to give women the priesthood but like he's the one that says there's no difference in policy and doctrine so what is what is it oaks is it policy <laughs> or doctrine like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then for the last slide, I just have one question that I just think is really interesting. Should the Mormon church or should the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, let women use their priesthood power? Like, I think, even though I don't believe in the priesthood, because 
specifically, I don't believe in priesthood anyway. I don't believe that the Mormon church has a priesthood, but <laughs> women in the church or men, people in the church believe the priesthood. So I think they should let them use it. Like if it makes people feel better, if it makes them yes. feel better to have their mothers give blessings, to have that bond with them, to have a bond with their children, to have a bond with their neighbors, to have that. There's, there's a power in unity and that's what I believe in. And yeah, and I agree. just let them use it. Like my question for the 15 would be why not? Oh yeah. That's great. Why not? What do you think there, they would say? Because our male ego and patriarchy <laughs> don't want you guys to feel like you have power to take over our offices and our luxuries and our place that we have made for ourselves. That's the the honest answer would be. That is the honest answer. <laughs> it's the honest answer. But why not? Why not? why not? There's no way. If the priesthood was real, there's no reason I could see why God, Christ, even Joseph Smith would say, would keep that. Right. From them. I don't see a reason. Yeah. Actually, if it's to bless and heal and, you know, do ordinances and all of the things, wouldn't it benefit the church to have the women do it? Right. So that's what I was thinking, too, because like you can there's there's different parts of this. So you can give women you can ordain them to office. But then you could also just have them use priesthood regardless of outside of office. So like, just yeah. let them have it in their homes, let them have it with their friends, like let them use the priesthood. That's not going to hurt. I don't see any way that that would hurt the church other than that it would, it would make the women realize that they're less than, and they would ask for more. That's in my opinion. I feel like they would be like, let then treat me like a full equal. And then that could hurt the church because the patriarchy would break. And yeah, the patriarchy would break and there would have to be women in leadership positions. And then they don't want that. I, and and they don't want that. You have to be small. You have to yeah. be small to be part of that church. Yeah. <sighs> How do we tell them? How do we tell them, Julia? How do we tell them <laughs> and make them know without ruining their whole, shattering them? Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's so yeah. hard. These things are so hard. I hate yeah. these truth claim things. I know. Like they're they're always like it's really depressing at the end. Like I don't I know. know. I change that, but yeah, like, because it could be so good. That's the problem. Is is like your heart hurts because it could be so good. Mm -hmm. Like really, is like the church could be so good. It yeah. could be so giving, mm -hmm. but but instead they make. It's so small. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good part of it. Yeah, and so the thing that I keep thinking about right now is like, if God were real, he wouldn't treat his daughters like this. He wouldn't no. treat us like this. And then like, no. if God was real, Heavenly Mother's real. And that's one of the things I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Maybe next, next time. time. Yeah. Heavenly Mother and like, what that looks like. And like, yeah, like, tries to erase her out of its history. Yeah. Like, I think again, because women will want, would want power or want equality, not power, but equality. Yeah. And they don't have that. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. 
And that is actually, maybe I'll talk about this more next month. We're going to do Heavenly Mother next month. So next month is Heavenly Mother. Um, but that's something that as soon as my faith shattering happened, um, that was the first thing I sought after was connecting to some kind of feminine divine. Um, I just had this longing for it after the whole church and patriarchal system crashed. Um, there was like a longing in me for like wanting to find. And I think like, that's where I found the story of Thecla. Like I would find all Aww. these like historical stories of women that I could like grab hold of and can connect with. And mm -hmm. um, I really actually loved that part of my journey is finding the stories in history of amazing and powerful women. Um, but we're going to do Heavenly Mother next month. And then um, Julia and I decided that we're going to do um, seven months. It's going to be seven months long <laughs> of going through um, polygamy. So mainly Joseph Smith polygamy. Um, but we're going to take um, like five wives each episode, kind of tell you their story a little bit about them, get to know them a little bit more. If they have journals, maybe read some of their own words, um, talk about them. So that's going to be seven, seven months worth because um, we just thought it was really important for all of them to be heard and known. And then um, then we'll do a summary podcast where we'll talk about the women, we'll talk about Joseph Smith, we'll talk about sexual relations and what we think um, happened there um, or what evidence um, for or against that. Um, so that's kind of the next nine months. We have almost a whole year planned out. But it's gonna be it's gonna be some fun conversation, and I'm excited to um, dig into their own words. I was telling Julia that um, I found out just a few weeks ago from a friend of mine because we were like looking at genealogy for her that um, I am cousins with Helen Mark Kimball, which is kind of cool because she's one of the um, polygamous or wives that, I don't know, I had like this heart connection with her. And um, so it was interesting when I did my genealogy that I was related to her. So it was kind of cool yeah. to find out. So I'm excited to dig into all their journals and learn more about them. Their it's stories are just heart wrenching, like learning yeah. them, like, holy cow. Like I was learning about them and that's what caused one of my, one of the things that caused me to leave the church I was like, this is not, this is not of God and there's no way that it could be of God. So, yeah, that was yeah. my, my shattering was because of a story that I found out about um, Joseph Smith's polygamy also, which I'll share yeah. in the first podcast because she is the first. <laughs> wow. So we will talk about, we will talk about her and I'll share a little bit of my story. Um, not next time because next time's Heavenly Mother, but the time after that, when we start the polygamy podcast. But thanks, everyone, for being here with us today. Thank you, of course, and always to Julia with Analyzing Mormonism. All her links will be in the podcast. So go follow her, like her, share her stuff, um, send her some Venmos, whatever you want to do to help her 
um, continue to research and bring these amazing podcasts to our listeners each month. And thank you so much, Julia. I appreciate it. Thank you, you so, so much. much. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye everybody. See you next time.